Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The sermon text is that Old Testament lesson we read for you earlier from Nehemiah. Back when I was in college, I worked at Office Depot, which is an office supply store. Right after Christmas, can you guess the very next thing that we set out as stackouts on the sales floor as you walked in? I'll give you a clue. January 1st. The answer is file folders, hanging folders, and racks, storage containers, and all the supplies you might need to get organized. You see, Office Depot knew that some people's New Year's resolutions were to finally get organized. People would think, oh, no, really, I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to get organized. And Office Depot banked on you buying the necessary supplies. Whether you actually use them or not, that's a whole other story. But there they sat at the ready. Now, Office Depot isn't the only business to sell towards people's New Year's resolutions. Some other examples include fitness centers for people who want to be healthier, or, or travel agencies for people who are determined to see the world. But for us who set New Year's resolutions, I'm guessing your experience is a lot like other people, where it typically goes something like this. We, we vow that we want to make a significant change in our lives, like, for example, maybe to lose weight. And for the first two weeks of the year, the, the parking lots at the gym are full of people who have made this vow with us. And for two weeks, we work out three times a week. But then we get busy, and it decreases down to maybe one time a week by the end of February. And by March, we go back to the old pattern. For most of the time in our lives, we, we set vision in a general way. We say we want to lose weight. We tell, tell ourselves that we're going to work harder to get that promotion, but how many times have we told ourselves, now things are going to be different? Such resolutions can be a good thing because they set a general course, but general direction doesn't usually change that much. If you want to lose weight, for instance, you need a specific vision for what that will look like in your life. If you want that promotion, you need a plan for how you're going to do your work differently. This same specificity applies to the church as well. The church has a, has a general vision to seek and to save those who are lost, like it says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Or, like you've probably heard before, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. The Great Commission being found in Matthew 28, verse 19, with Jesus telling his disciples, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And we get to participate in the Great Commission by teaching the great commandment, which is also found in Matthew, but this is in verse, or chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so the general direction of essentially every church is to love God love one another, reach the lost, and make disciples. And this is great for the big picture vision of the church, but we need 
more. We need to hear God's specific vision for our church, for South Shore Trinity. What is God calling us to be and to do in our local context? Where are we supposed to be focusing our energies? And as we wrestle with that concept and with, with trying to answer the question of what God, God's specific call to action is for us, we can take comfort that, that we're not the first to think about such things. And one person that we can look to at in the Bible is named Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is not someone we spend a lot of time looking at and studying deeply. But he does play a role in the much larger story of salvation. So to begin to understand him and what he did, we need a quick review of Old Testament history. And I mean quick, so buckle up. We're going to zoom through nearly 300 years of history in the next minute or so, okay? So to get us started here, we've got a, a map of the Mediterranean or the, the Middle East here. Top left corner, you can see Italy, the boot there. The blue is the Mediterranean Sea. In the bottom right corner is Saudi Arabia. This kind of sets the scene. And so we get then uh, to see first we have Egypt and the Hittites getting established. And these, this is in like uh, 1200 B.C. And these are the ones that, that Israel is going to have to deal with as they leave slavery and enter into the promised land under God's guidance. And so... Uh, we see here that they are, uh, that the, the Egypt and, and the Hittites here, and the Israelites leave Egypt and they head into uh, Jerusalem and, and uh, that area there, the kingdom of Israel. And shortly after that, um, well, they, they're there and then they have uh, King David and he dies and his son Solomon builds the temple. And shortly after that, there is a division of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And so then that persisted until about 722 B.C., some 500 years later, when the Assyrians attack and they defeat the northern kingdom. And so we see here the Assyrians come into power. And what's left is that little bluish-purplish spot there, and that's Jerusalem and the southern kingdom. Now, during that time we, is the start of the dysphoria or the time of exile when the Israelites are forcibly removed from their land. Well, the Assyrians, they don't last too long because in 605 B.C., 117 years later, the Babylonians come through with King Nebuchadnezzar and they start, uh, they start to uh, come through and they conquer the southern kingdom and they capture Jerusalem. The temple was completely destroyed uh, by 586 B.C. and the exile continued as the rest of the Hebrews were captured and removed from their land and forcibly uh, made to assimilate to the Babylonian culture. And then during this time, we have people like Daniel and the prophet Jeremiah. Well, as you can probably guess, the Babylonians were defeated as well. They only lasted about 66 years. And in uh, 539, the Persian Empire comes through. And this all matters because Nehemiah was fairly high up in the Persian government. And so fast forward 95 years to the year 445 B.C., and we find Nehemiah, who was the uh, King Artaxerxes' cupbearer, which isn't just some random servant. Uh, his status was equal to that of the member of like, the president's cabinet here in our government. And so as we get back to wrestling with uh, what God has, uh, a specific vision for this church, and trying to answer the question of what God's specific call to action is, 
We can see how the, the, the story of Nehemiah starts to illustrate how we can hear God's specific vision. Because it's Nehemiah who was just living his life like everyone else. He was going in the right general direction. But then something happened. Something intersected his life and he heard what was going on in Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah was aware of what Ezra had done a little earlier and how he had returned to Jerusalem and worked to restore the city and to rebuild the temple. And he thought everything was, was hunky-dory. He thought everything was fine in Jerusalem. That is until one of Nehemiah's brothers came by to visit him, who told him all about the walls being broken down and the gates being burned with fire. And what this meant is that Jerusalem was not a secure city. Even with the restored temple, which was vital to the nation, Jerusalem was exposed. Without walls around the city, it was easy prey for enemies. And because of that, people were demoralized. Upon hearing this news, Nehemiah was shook. Scripture says that he sat down and wept. He mourned for days. He fasted and he prayed because Nehemiah saw the reality of what was going on. This changed everything for him. It set him on a new course that changed the rest of his life. It stirred him to the soul and transformed him from the inside out. Now, Nehemiah certainly isn't the first, and he won't be the last to hear bad news that shakes him to his core. That's just part of the human experience. Nehemiah was hearing about broken down walls and disheartened people. But that brokenness of life is a sad reality that we all have to deal with. On account of sin in this world, we all have times of mourning, of despair, of, of deep sadness. Thankfully, we also have a God that doesn't leave us in that all alone. We have a God that's done something about it. And he's done it for us. He sent his son to die on that cross and to rise from the dead to give us hope. And Nehemiah starts where we should all start. Did you notice how he starts to process the information, that, that bad news from his brother? He spends time in prayer. And amongst the brokenness, Nehemiah begins to take action. Though he is a prominent man, a rich man, a comfortable man, he doesn't just sit on the sidelines and he doesn't just farm out this job to somebody else to take care of. And he begins to see what's next. You see, a specific vision begins when you're able to see the reality for what it is. It starts when you get in touch with the pain and the suffering, the world that God cares about. Then we listen to the stirring of our souls. We wait on the passions that the Spirit of God shakes up within us. And then this launches us in a new direction. This releases us toward a new vision. Now is the time to see the reality of our world again. 
and allow the Spirit of God to stir our souls again. You see, together we've been on a journey as a church. We've been going in the right general direction. We, we love God. We serve God. We want to see the gospel go forth. In the past, we've had times of great specific vision. In the past, we've, we've built and we've expanded. We've grown and we've added a preschool. We've planted a church not far from here that's still going strong. We've persisted 75 years. But now is the time to catch God's vision for our congregation so that we might have an impact on the world that God wants us to have. So let us have our eyes be, be opened. Let us have our ears be opened like Nehemiah, that we might be the people that God has called us to be, that we might begin again the work that God has called us to do. Amen.